comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. DCTV Podcast, episode 15. All right, and uh, we are back on all cylinders, firing on all cylinders. All four shows are back. Uh, this week we are talking Constantine, uh, The Saint of Lost Causes, part two. Uh, Gotham, What a Little Bird Told Me, Arrow, Left Behind, and The Flash, Revenge of the Rogues. And joining me here on this journey, as always, is my own personal Pazuzu, Richard the Chub Toad Sheldon. If you give a Pazuzu a cookie. And the man who makes extra money shaving Victor Zaz's eyebrows off, Mr. Daryl Taylor. Yes, and boy, do I get paid. I would hope so, man. Because that was some cold water Falcon was swimming in this week. Ooh. Ooh, yes. Well, uh, we have, I think all four shows, um, spoiler alert, were really good this week. <laughs> At least I thought yes, so. Yes, they were. Yeah. yeah, I think so, too. I, I was happy with them. Let's start off with Constantine. Uh, after the cool cliffhanger we had at the uh, the midseason uh, break, there uh, we find Constantine in Mexico, possessed by a demon, in Mexican prison with the kid with Pedro from uh, Napoleon Dynamite, um, <laughs> cooking up heroin to calm down his demon. Uh, Zed and Chaz come down there; uh, they pull the sister Mar- uh, Anne Marie out of it uh, to find him. You know, it's like the Exorcist Constantine style. Pretty cool episode, I thought. What'd you guys think? Yeah, it it was. It was a little more, you know, a peek into his uh, into his psyche. So my favorite scene in this whole episode is when he wakes up after taking out the gang. Mm-hmm. He like wakes up to the sound of the oh, sirens yeah. and the lights, <laughs> and the, that aerial shot where they're looking down at him, and he's just covered in blood, and there's just like literally body parts and arms holding yeah. machine guns and stuff, just like all around him. He wakes up, and he's just like looking around. He has no idea what he has done. What an awesome scene. But yeah, um, as we left Constantine uh, shot, bleeding to death in a sewer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and the only way he could get Basti and Vonche was to take it into his own body. Well, that wasn't the only way. He could have did something else, but, he, but that's not I'm Constantine. I'm sure that he could have done something else, but he's got to do it the hard way. He he's always He's got to be dramatic. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I was very, very pleased with this episode. I was like, man, this was a good, solid return. Um, I'm like, hopefully this is going to shut down some of the uh, the small talk of cancellation or whatever, and then the ratings come out. That's the only <laughs> disappointing part about this episode was the ratings, because yeah. um, although I read somewhere, I didn't see the number, but I heard that the plus three uh, did very well. So I don't know, but I mean, what what do they expect? I mean, the people, the demographic that they're that they're aiming this show towards are not home on Friday nights. They're DVRing it and they're Huluing it. You know, that's was just this, the way it is. Uh, 
Well, it was, you know what? It feels like NBC married somebody and they didn't really know who they married. Well, um, since we're kind of wavering into the news, and if you want to keep up on the DCTV news, then definitely join our Facebook group, DCTV Podcast, uh, on the Facebooks. It's very popular with the young people. But one of the NBC producers, uh, like the phrase he used was that they, quote, unquote, jumped on the superhero bandwagon Uh uh, with Constantine. And that doesn't sound like the kind of language of an executive who's very confident the show is going to bounce back and find an audience. No. But I, I really well, think, and the I, fact that he calls it the superhero bandwagon is a problem yeah. in, of itself because he's well, not a superhero. It's a comic book right. property, but you he's, know I wouldn't really call him a superhero. Well, by the I, t- by the same token, he's seeing the numbers that the Flash and Arrow and Gotham mm-hmm. are pulling in, and you know here's this other DCT or DC property, and it's you know it's not doing as nearly what they expected. Right. Well, I th- but that's what I thought NBC did in the first place. I think well, that they were just buying up prop, like they were. Everybody was starting to option shows for for you know superhero shows, and they saw one for DC, and they thought, let's do it. We'll, it'll automatically get a lot of. Well, we can build up a Friday audience. You know, they didn't realize that this is not uh, this is not a guy wearing any kind of costume. It's not based on you know a superhero thing. This is a, a horror character this is uh somebody who it's not a, a well-known person you know this is not a well-known superhero it's not a superhero at all but they just jumped in it thinking that they were gonna naturally gonna get these high ratings and that shows right there why they want to jump the gun probably and just not pick up the show well interesting to me too is is that if you look at nbc and the way they're looking at the show they're looking at the nightly, you know, live ratings and kind of poo-pooing mm-hmm. it, you know. But if you look at the other DC properties, especially Gotham, I mean, it's been killing it in the plus three and plus seven. I mean, The Flash right. doubled its viewership, I mean, just with the plus three and the plus seven uh, DVRing, mm-hmm. you know. I think, young. I mean, and Daryl, you make a great point. The people that would be watching the show, you know, are not watching TV on a Friday night, they're doing yeah. something else. And and obviously, you know, they would be watching it on Hulu, watching it on DVR, you know, or whatever later down the line. I don't think they're in that... Well, I don't think NBC is, is in that type of mind frame. They enjoy it for other shows when they have it, but they're not in that mind frame of, like, other shows. Like, they well, still do Chicago Hope... You know, I mean, Chicago Fire and, and Chicago PD was it Law & Order. All those type of shows give them ratings, give them a steady thing of ratings. Yeah, they think but about. that's an older audience. That's an older audience. But that's, that's what I mean. Their mindset. That's what I'm talking about. Their mindset is is older. Right. Whereas CW is well, CW like aims for a younger audience. Yes. Yeah, you know, and that's right. why they're they're but you know. It, figuring those in more than and fox a little bit yeah yeah nbc though was hedging their bets on the grim audience and they forget how they got the grim audience because the grim audience came at the end of fox running fringe fringe already had its audience it had this following people were staying and watching it on television and it just so happened right after that in the time slot right after that on nbc they started grim so yeah. a lot of people that were watching fringe were switching the channel at the end and and, and that's where grim got its audience most people grim has been dwindling a little bit you know they were counting on that to be the boost for constantine and that that was a basket to put that they shouldn't have put their eggs in because uh, grim is going to start losing out too simply because it 
it's getting more of its viewership on Hulu and DVR. I mean, I have never watched an episode of Grimm live. I don't think ever since Fringe went off the air. But you look at, I think they really want the acclaim and everything. That I like, I said, I think I I, I make it like NBC. Everybody else is getting married. NBC wanted to get married. <laughs> they got married to to Constantine, and then they kind of didn't. On the outside looking in, it is they're not getting the same kind of reaction that they the other shows are getting. They want that flash reaction, like they want that blah flash is getting the hoopla arrow got, you know, out right out the gate. They got it in the first season. And I think the worst, the absolute worst part is it's a good show. Yeah. If it was yeah. a yeah. version of Constantine, if it was some like hack job, some yeah. like watered down version, then I would be like, fine, good riddance, goodbye. I'd rather go back to the comics. Mm-hmm. But it's a good show. The cast is strong. I think Matt Ryan really nails Constantine. I love Harold Perot as Manny. This episode especially, you know, the interactions between him and, and, and Matt Ryan as Constantine were were great. Um, you know, yeah. the, the actors playing Zed and Chaz are just awesome. I just think mm-hmm. it's a really... Good show, and you know, more's more's uh, you know, more's the tragedy of it all. I I just hope that you know, um, you know, Amazon or or, or Netflix, you know, sees the numbers that it's getting and think that's enough that they can keep it in production. I think that would yeah. really be a good home for it. You know, it's sad. It's not a flashy show. It's not you know, it's not a not a show where they can put a costume on and, and a date and they can do an image and. You know, and everything, and and it'd be a big thing. Like it's not that type of show. It's it's, a, horror. it's a good show. It's horror, and you have to build on horror. You have to mm-hmm. you have to slowly let a horror show build. You can't. Um... Now I don't. I've never really watched this show, and I keep getting chastised for it. But you know, in a world where supernatural can go ten seasons, how right. is you know? It it's got to be the way they're marketing it, and the way that well, they're numbers the time too. slot that it's in and if you're going to put something on Friday you need to market the shit. you can't just CW, CW but, but I mean you're, 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 you're not taking into account the threshold that uh, of, right. of expectation right. between you know the difference between right. expectation of an NBC show's performance and a show on the CW's performance especially when they were starting the CW out 10 years ago and Supernatural mm-hmm. was one of the very first shows that was on there you know what I mean so, I mean, the expectations are much lower on CW, which is why The Flash is such a huge hit for them. Right, if, it were on right. ni- if it were on network television, it would just be a so-so hit. Oh, they'd yeah. be, yeah, they'd be, they'd probably be uh, disappointed. If it was on yeah. CBS or, or um, NBC, they'd be disappointed with the numbers on it. Look at the numbers on, on Marvel's Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and how they were, like, if... How they were talking about those numbers were like, well, ooh, it's not really what we we're not happy with those numbers, but yeah, but they're playing the long game, right? They're playing. Talk to the producers, you know, they know they're building the franchise. It's Disney; they're not going nowhere with that. That show's not going anywhere. Like they have that, they have that support. But I'm saying, if if they didn't, if it wasn't a Disney, you know, they wouldn't wasn't known by Disney, and then they didn't have the cinematic universe that Marvel has. I mean, in in a lot of ways, it's an hour long commercial for their movies. Exactly what it is. You know what I mean? It just... If they would have shot out the gate like they did with Agent Carter, it'd be a much better show. Because I think, I think that they are get they learned from their mistakes, mm-hmm. and Agent Carter, you know, benefited from that. Well, Agent Carter, Agent Carter also benefits from the fact it's only going to be eight episodes, right? So but they know they have to talk the... concisely. They don't have to drag it out. They don't have to, yeah. be, you know, to let I'm the stuff e- watch I'm go not on. Even going quali- I'm not even going quality. I'm just talking about how it is. You know, I'm just right. talking about that they 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 knew going in that they're going to keep the show on the air 
if they had to make changes, right. I bet they would have made changes. But they're, but they had, they can afford to have this show on and it not do as well as it, you know, and not do as well, and they can fix it because they have that cinematic universe, and 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 that cinematic universe, we all know how popular that is. So they're gonna keep it on the air. Yeah, I mean, it keeps that mind share. You know, it keeps you know reminding people that mm-hmm. you know, hey, remember Avengers? How much you love that? You know, right. there's more coming because here it is, where you have this whole like you know fictional universe we've created, and um, exactly, and and but we have Constantine that has none of that, right? And oddly enough, I mean, Guillermo del Toro's uh, script for for Dark Universe, like the Je- Justice League Dark uh, script that he wrote, uh, centers around Constantine. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, I, I'm not sure if Warner, if uh, you know, MB, well, I guess uh, NBC Universal wouldn't have any. Uh, well, no, no it would we'll, be it would we'll, be Warner Brothers that would own the script. Yeah, so they wouldn't. It wouldn't. Right, they would have any truck with that. But anyway, good show, great episode. Constantine mm-hmm. got possessed big time. There was, you know, I love I love how they break out the glow sticks at the end to kind of give that Ghostbusters, <laughs> yeah, uh, green going on there. Yeah. Um, the scenes with him and the, the gang members were great. Where they they confront him in the chapel. The stuff with Zed. Yeah, the stuff with Zed was great. Her family. But um, yeah, Angelica Sly as Zed Martin is great. Charles Halford is great. I mean, yeah. the cast is really strong. And we have this cool um, you know, with the Bruhiera, this kind of subplot that's brewing. You know, the British consulate getting eaten by that snake guy. I like the 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 lecture he got from from Manny too. Yeah, there were a couple of good good scenes with him. And yeah, him. yeah. If you had just asked me, I would have came and helped you. Like if you just asked me, he because you know he threw it out there. Well, I didn't see God coming to help me. Right. And um, the first thing he threw out there was, "Did you ask?" He's asked for his help before, or, or at least, and he's not. So why would he reach out? Well, and call for him to help when he's not helped in the past and he's given that whole speech about I can't interfere you know I'm like the watcher from the Marvel Universe I can just watch I, I can't do well you know how it goes with faith and all of that like it's not he Constantine asks but not he doesn't really ask you know what I mean like they they're supposed to know exactly what's in your, yeah. heart, in your heart so I don't and I think that the thing when Manny was saying is you really didn't like you didn't open yourself up to me coming to help you like he's saying, I'm your guardian angel in a way, but he just can't. But but Constantine is not built that way. He can't fully give himself to anything. He he doesn't have that faith. And the flip side to that is the other scene they have together, where you know he he you know you know admits to him that he's afraid to die. Yes. And then Manny says, you know, why? Why are you afraid? are you afraid of what's waiting for you on the other side? He says, No, I have more work to do. Yeah. And I mean, I, that scene alone, I mean, that just nailed it for me. Like, the motive, mm-hmm. that he really gets where Constantine is coming from. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, he's a screw up. Constantine, yeah. all the things he's done and screwed up, even in his crazy way of thinking, he, he really thinks that he can somehow balance the scales before he goes. Like, when he goes, it, you know, he can, he can say that at least, you know, he's made up for some of the stuff. And the thing is, he does more damage trying to thinking that he's going to make up for stuff he winds up doing more things that are you know and well, hurting more people in the process because a lot of times his ego gets in the way always you know what i mean and it's just like he, because he thinks he's smarter than everyone else in the yeah. room um you know hey i'm gonna pull a demon into myself that's the way to get out of this haha yeah. you know because he always thinks that the, the con he's all it's always a con he would rather deal with a demon because he knows he can't trust a demon like i'd rather deal with that 
And right. I know I can't trust it. I know what it's going to do to me. And I'll figure it out. I'll figure out a way to get rid of it. You know, it'll work. Sure. But then a couple of people get killed along the way. No big mm-hmm. deal. That's just, but that Constantine, like, that's, hey, whatever. Yeah. Get it done. Well, I thought it was it was interesting the way Anne Marie was questioning her own faith because, I mean, she didn't want to do the exorcism. She was explaining that it needs to be mm-hmm. someone else. You know, it, it's kind of weird that somebody in her position and with her past would be questioning if she has enough faith to do it or not. But I do love that sequence uh, going on when she's like, I command you to get out and Pazuzu, stop it, you're stupid. <laughs> She goes, I am stupid. I no longer think I can do this. And Zed's like, wait, you can do this. You just have to think you can do this. Like Constantine kind of came Okay, I'm not stupid. Well, well, Constantine kind of called her out and was like, you you ran away. You didn't really. You know, this is just you hiding. And I think part of he was right to a point. You know, hiding from what she did. Right. Well, I can kind of see that, but I don't see it as much hiding as she decided to turn to a life of service of faith in order to make up for what happened. That's 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 the way I I think that's part of it. Her actions were, but I I think that's part of it. But I think some of it also was still that she didn't deal with. She didn't deal with her issues. Also, like she didn't really deal with what she did. And she didn't, she didn't make peace right. with it. Like Zed told you, you didn't make peace with what you did. This is not about you apologizing to, to Constantine. It's about you making peace with your own self about the things that happened. You know, Constantine is Constantine. He's going to do what he's going to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to get it. You have to make peace with it and move on and let it go because you have it. Definitely. And I'm hoping that it's not going to be gone like Jim said, like it's going to be picked up somewhere because otherwise they're going to have to leave it unfinished. Because, yeah, I mean, I like that whole subplot that's been developing and everything else, they're not going to tie that up. And what is there, two more episodes, three more? Yeah. Something like that. They're not going to tie it up. Or if they did, it would be in such a cheesy way. Well, it's uh, it's it's on Warner Brothers, pretty much. He needs to give it another chance. Fine, don't order a back, back half for the first season, but at least give it another chance next fall. Put it on a different day, different time slot. Put it on a Wednesday night at 9 o'clock, 10 keep, o'clock, something like that. I keep saying, though, if they end up moving it to, to Netflix and they end up moving it to Amazon, they won't be constrained like right. they are now on a network mm-hmm. with like standards and practices of, of how much violence they oh, could show I or agree. how much smoking they could show or yeah. you know using you know dropping f f and s bombs wherever they want you know i mean i don't, I don't know I, I just i kind of hope that's what's ha- that's what's going to happen i hope so I, i'm hoping i'm hoping for the best well yeah i was reading somewhere this week that netflix executives they are actually wanting to put out a hundred original shows i don't know if they want to do a hundred new ones every year or it's just have a hundred properties that they're running as original content this is definitely something that they should pick up amazon Um, is i would like to see it on amazon or hulu well Uh, amazon is also trying to, to to put out a lot of stuff too so um they have options i mean if they you know they do have options and this is this might be small potatoes to something like nbc but this is a built-in thing you know okay you guys ready to move on to gotham just do it man okay well the little bird told me man this is a good episode too dude 
Yes, it was. Uh, we we um, as we left it. it I uh, agree. We left the last episode. Uh, Gruber and his henchmen had, had broken out of Arkham, and uh, we started this episode with them going back to get his stuff at this really creepy electronics place. The whole creepy tone just start, even starts out in the scene when you know the guy, you know, look, I, I left it all the way you left it. You know, here it all is. You know, it's uh, nobody touched it. You know, you don't have to kill me. <laughs> but I will. But he will anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he had that look like, yeah. One thing that you didn't mention there, though, is as they're coming up to that shop and everything, they're playing over it with Johnny Cash's God's going to cut you, mm. cut you down. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know, that just gave it such a tone and a vibe that I was like, this is the this is what I want from Gotham. That's the tone that it needs. That dirty, seedy, just creepy dark tone and that was perfect such a great scene we then cut to uh gotham, gotham police department where we finally meet police commissioner played by peter, mm-hmm. peter scolari commissioner Loeb. uh peter scolari of course uh tom hanks roommate on bosom buddies probably best known for but he's done a lot of work on csi and some other stuff too he pulls essen and gordon and bullock into his office gordon tells him that he can bring in gruber in 24 hours if he if he will reinstate him, Loeb you know reluctantly agrees because you know there's this electrocution killer out on the town. I mean they even show a newspaper calling him the electrocutioner. As uh, Gordon and, and Bullock are trying to come up with leads, Enigma comes up, finds out that the guy's real name is Bukinski. He pulled off a bank ro- He pulled off four successful bank robberies, and he was in uh, he was in uh, Blackgate Prison. But then had himself transferred over to Arkham by bribing someone to you know switch files or whatever when they opened up Arkham, uh, yeah. so he could eventually make his escape and get his revenge on uh, his accomplices who he never named, but one of them turns out uh, and we find out in a weird way later to be uh, uh, Don Maroney. Mm-hmm. Did you notice he's escalating to that woman? Escalating. In terms of what he's what do doing mean? to try to get her, like he's going really dark. What he left on her desk. Oh yeah, I was gonna get to that in a minute. Yeah, slowly escalating. Into, <laughs> right, we, we get aside. We get it. Well, since uh, you, know, you brought it up, um, one, you know, we follow Enigma in in the police department, and he, um, you know, talks to Miss Kringle again. Uh, you know, the apple of his eye, the object of his affection, and evidently he had left a red velvet cupcake with a bullet in it mm-hmm. on her desk, and uh, he was like, "It's a riddle," and she says. Uh, it's uh, menacing and weird and inedible. He explains that later on, but I still don't quite get what the riddle was. Maybe I'm just—it was over my head. I don't know. It was—it was pretty obtuse. It was something like, "Oh, a cupcake is sweet. The bullet is deadly. A woman is a danger. A beautiful woman is a dangerous thing." Yeah. And then that—I got that. So that That's was the it. Riddle. That's all it was. That's the riddle. Right. That was kind of lame. Yeah, it was. It was. Pretty I wasn't hard. even caring about that. I was just going with how it's. It's. He's getting. He. He's losing it. Like he's starting to. Little by little, he's starting to pass the threshold. Oh yeah, I think. I'm. I'm hoping anyway. They build up this thing with this Kringle, and that's what causes him. Now. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, to become you know this the Riddler or whatever he's going to end up becoming because he's very isolated already. Yeah, you know, he's isolated by the people in the department. He's isolated. He probably has no friends at home. Like. He's re- his one thing is he's reaching out to this to this woman, and eventually she's going to push him to that point where, you know, and that's what crazies did. Like that, that's something that in real life that stalkers and stuff like it, they're isolated. They take that one. It it just takes that one thing to push them over the edge. And it seems though with some of the looks on her face, though, 
she's secretly kind of finding it endearing a little bit. Or maybe I'm just misreading the looks on her face. But I don't know. There's part of me that wants him to win her over. So I don't know. I, I keep thinking that's going to be what causes him to snap. It's like this yeah. last chance he's taking to reach out to someone as a friend. or She might you know. think it's cute. Like, she might respond in a way. Maybe she might respond with, I'll be your friend, but I'm not, you know, it's not ever going to be the thing that you think I mean, that I, you want it to be. I totally get where he's coming from. I mean, she's his felicity. I understand it, you know, completely. Oh, Lord. Yeah, but a restraining order is a restraining order. <laughs> <laughs> and Mace is Mace. We'd like to t- reach out to Emily Bettricard and say that we're yeah. sorry for Chep Toad, and we we promise we'll make sure he stays a hundred yards away from you at all times. If, yeah. if we get the chance to interview you, uh, <laughs> but change your stands, uh, stands well away of the yes, area. Change your locations every week. The <laughs> other major, the other major plot thread in this episode is uh, with Falcone, with Don Falcone. Talks to we show him, you know, uh, having someone killed at the beginning of the episode, and then talking to Liza. Family. Uh, <laughs> yes, family. Family, yeah. But I'm family. Yeah, I know. Whatever. And then he ends up getting him killed, or having him killed in front of him. Then uh, you know he tells he he's walking with Liza, uh, the you know the girl that fish Mooney planted on him pretty much, and saying you know why don't I set you up with a bakery somewhere out in the suburbs, somewhere nice away from all this. You know you could get hurt, blah blah. And she says no, I want to stay with you. And then you know the very next scene we see with her. What happens? <laughs> her bodyguard gets gunned down, and she gets abducted. Yeah. Oh, but did did you mention the the, the or I'm, I'm messing it up? Did you mention the um, funeral? Where they look back? Well, fuck only looks back on when he was the kid. Oh no, that's after. Yeah, that's when he's uh, right about uh, to kill the guy who's in his family. They have a flashback of of him as a kid being held by his mother at a funeral, and no tears. No, yeah. Anger, like Even you then. can just see. Yeah, you can see the anger, but no tears, which fits what happens at the when we get when we, we make our way through the. I like how they did. Well, that, and though. you can tell that he was very, very much a mama's boy, and yeah, but the way that he released that, like he he didn't he didn't release it like a normal person would have, you know, with tears or you go with grief. No, Falcone does it with with anger and spitting fire. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we'll definitely see that later. Yeah, yeah. I love. I just love though how they set that where they they pan off. They just keep with the eyes. Mm-hmm. I know and it's the same they, look between the kid actor and him. Yes, the exact same and, look. And they're like, when we show you what happens, when we show you later on what he does, just know, you know, this is who he is. Liza gets abducted. She gets the hood pull off of her, but it's Fish Mooney who's abducted her. And then now is when Fish is going to make her move. Um. Tragically so, it turns out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, uh, uh, Gordon and, and Bullock had called to a uh, uh, inmate van, empty, uh, f- you know, covered with fingerprints, of course, and they notice the electronics store nearby. They go inside, and the employee has been electrocution uh, lobotomized, to, and he is writing over and over on the wall, I will not betray my friends. Um, I like how when he, they, when he turns them around... He just continues writing in the air. Right, he's still <laughs> writing it. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. Uh, meanwhile, um, Falcone gets a random call, a ransom call for Liza, mm-hmm. and he knows it's fish. He even says to her, you know, I know it's you, fish. Oh, yeah, stop when, the line. Yeah, stop the line. I mean, he calls her on it immediately, and that is a huge moment here, I mean, considering everything that's been going down. Now, before that, 
they come back uh, Gordon and Bullock come back to the station after finding the guy writing on the wall uh, Nigma comes by and, and suggests that they all wear their galoshes because they're rub- uh, insulated rubber you know in case of electric you know electrocution you know Bullock rolls his eyes Gordon takes the galoshes and uh, Dr. Tompkins comes back tells Jim uh, Gordon to call her Lee uh, and has a clue that leads them to think that Bakinski uh, the one of the guys that he's after is Don Maroney. Don Maroney. We cut to Don Maroney's restaurant. He's he's around the table. He's having uh, dinner with the Penguin and a bunch of his other henchmen. And while this is going on, uh, the Penguin gets a call from Falcone asking him to come in, you know, to talk. Um, Penguin gets up, makes an apology, says his mother is sick, and then uh, walks off to the door, tries to open the door, and is immediately hit with a lot of electricity and, and is, and is you know, knocked out onto the ground. And then uh, some sort of light bomb is thrown into the room, into the restaurant, electrocutes everyone in the restaurant, doesn't kill them all. Uh, we cut to uh, Gordon and, and, and uh, Bullock showing up at the uh, the scene of the crime at Maroney's restaurant. They're all, like, burned up from the, elect- the electricity, but they're okay. Uh, Cobblepot is out on a gurney in an ambulance, but then in his electrocuted stupor sits up and says, I, I must go, I must go, I have... Uh, business with with Don Falcone and opens his mouth and Fal- Falcone and then immediately passes passes out again. And Maroni has that look on his face. Like, uh, <laughs> here we go again with this guy, the two faced or whatever. Meanwhile, for some reason, I really don't understand because it has nothing to do with anything else in the show. Barbara goes and visits her parents, right? Yeah. And that's about it. <laughs> yeah, you don't. She stays really for a few. Days. I think the only reason. I think the only reason for that scene that I can figure, because to me it was a complete throwaway, was the fact that she's lying to her parents saying that her and Jim are fine, and later we see Jim with Dr. Tompkins, you know? So, just showing that they're on two different paths now. I think that's the only reason or explanation for that scene, because otherwise it just felt like wasted air. I think part of it is to still show how damaged she is, and it comes from her parents. Because they didn't... Oh, yeah. There is no talking. They don't talk. They don't deal with anything. Right. So just like when Jim was... Like when she said, share your pain, and he did. (laughs) And he shared a lot of pain with her, and she couldn't handle it. She gets that from her parents. They don't probably... They don't... You can kind of tell. They don't discuss anything. They put on airs about life completely. Like they... So that's... You know, you kind of get that. Well, her mother felt so put out by her asking to stay the night. Oh, please, stay, stay till the weekend. Well, there's no love, like, there's no no kind of real family, no love, no intimacy between them, the, which kind of makes sense with Barbara. I mean, yeah, I don't even know I'm getting so deep in it, but it kind of makes sense that she could be intimate with Jim and then be intimate with Montoya, but not be loyal to either one. Right. Well, he's playing both ends against the middle. Yeah, in her mind, like she, but yeah, in her mind, it's like it's it's a game or not a game, but it's just a, a thing of wants to feel needed or wanted without actually being needed or wanted. Gordon tells Maroney the only place, safe place he can take him uh, is in protective custody at the uh, the police department, the police station. So he brings Maroney in. Um, Maroney brings Cobblepot with him and drops him on a table. You know, um, they just run through the, the police station like. 
It, I'm right. not, he's ordering espresso from the from one of the cops. He's like, hey, uh, darling, give me double espresso, extra sugar. You know? It is so weird to see that for a police station because no other time do you see that except for Gotham. Do you see them run like that? Even I mean, before a commissioner does what he does, I mean, he don't take that crap from nobody. But but to see the them just criminals just walk in and out, you know, tell people to get off you. This is my desk right now. We then get uh, fish calling Falcone. Saying she's going to act as an intermediary, and uh, Falcone, I was wrong. This is where Falcone calls her on it and says, "No, you know, you were the smart one. I know it's you doing this. I know you, you've uh, you've taken Liza, and he'll take he'll leave town and take Liza if he can take Liza with him." Uh, Victor Zaz doesn't think this is a good idea. He's trying to remind Falcone of who he really is. You know, you know, he's you know, it's Don Falcone to talk him back into who he who he really is. The, the person we find out later in the episode that he really is. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was ever not that person. I think he was just playing. He was just tired. Yeah. I think he was tired. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I think he was kind of tired. He, he, he's... Well, being a Don isn't, you know, all roses and whiskey. You know, it's it's tough work. Pimping ain't easy. No, never is. Um, this is where we get the scene with Enigma explaining the riddle to Miss mm-hmm. Kringle. And uh, I didn't know this, but that's Detective Flass um, from Batman Year One. Oh, shoot. The one who Gordon beats the crap out of, remember? Uh-huh. I did not oh, realize really? that. I didn't know that either until I'm reading and checking out this uh, Wikipedia on it, yeah. Oh. And uh, he hears Kringle tell Flass that he is so weird. Because now this commissioner, he was from year one as well, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I'm liking that character, and I think Peter Scolari is doing a good job with them. What little we had of him. Right. Uh, meanwhile... As, uh, you know, right after the scene with Ed, we see uh, that the electrocutioner is hooked into the actual steel structure of the uh, police station from outside and has electrified the entire thing, uh, electrocuting everyone in the building and knocking them all out. He comes into the police station uh, with his uh, accomplice. They are, you know, sorting through the bodies trying to find Marone, and they do. Oh, I'm sorry about that, everyone. I forgot that Cobblepot wakes up. Maroney questions him about Falcone. He, of course, denies it, denies it, denies it, and then Maroney lets him leave. Here's my thing. Do you think Maroney really bought that? Do you think he's that stupid? I thought, sure, you'd have someone follow him. Yeah, that's what I thought. Because that's what I would have done. <laughs> if I were Dahmer, I'd be like, yeah, make sure he goes see his mom. Yeah, make sure he's going to see his mom. You know, It seems like they're selling off the scene as he bought what Penguin told him, but... I mean, come on. I just can't imagine somebody being that stupid that's in his position. Yeah, I didn't think I he bought it. I, I just thought he had that look of, all right, I'm going to let you I'm gonna let you do your own rope, put it around your neck. I'm going to let you hang yourself. It's going to be interesting to see if he did have someone tail him, because it seems like, you know. You would think that, right? What he would do, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry about that, listeners. Uh, after Cobblepot leaves, that is when the electrocutioner electrocutes everyone in the police department. Except for Jim Gordon, who was smart enough to wear his galoshes. Yeah, we knew that was going to come back, didn't we? He wore his rubbers. And you're right, Daryl. We knew that was going to come back because they made such a big deal out of it. Out of yes, Michigan, they did. You know? Yes, they did. I have to say, too, the turning that, that van into one giant Tesla coil was cool as heck. I mean, the way that he just generated up that, I mean, I thought that was really cool. Um, and then when he goes in, he's disappointed that there wasn't enough to kill them all. It was right. just enough to mm-hmm. wound. <laughs> Gordon pulls a gun on him. Bikinski is able to use this uh, this like weird, like Darth Vader vest electrocution thing to uh, like electrocute the gun, so he has to drop it. And then he gets into a fist fight with Danzig. He's, um, and finally, Gordon takes out the the henchman who's like twice the size. He turns into Bikinski. 
He's about to you know, electrocute the hell out of Jim Gordon, and then Jim Gordon reaches over, grabs a glass of water, and throws it at him, <laughs> short-circuiting everything that he was about to do. Oh, yeah. And I really, really liked that that's how they finished off the fight. I mean, right. it was so simplistic, yet entertaining in the way it was done. I thought it was great. Next thing we see Commissioner Loeb shaking hands with everybody. Shake hands with Sergeant Essen, shake hands with Bullock, and finally has to shake hands with Jim Gordon, at which point Jim Gordon leans in and says, next guy who tries to take away my shield one way or another, I'm going to make him eat it. The you know, commissioner acts like he didn't hear what he said. But they, you know, a new day, a new day, and they have, and, he, and Gordon is reinstated. I mean, interesting, though, I thought he would be at Arkham a little bit longer. I was kind of hoping he would be. Yeah. I, I, I was kind of liking the whole getting some little bit of, of scenes on the inside of Arkham, kind of setting up the mythos of what Arkham is in this show. Plus, I really liked Officer Gordon in that role. I just, I would have liked to have had maybe four or five episodes of him before he became a detective again, but I'm fine with what they did too. Uh, you know, it's, it's well, they good. made it's that just... connection and it looks like they did the two. I think they did two things they wanted to do. They wanted, well, three things. One um, was to get him close with Leslie Tompkins, which that's done. They have that connection now Two, they wanted to put him in a position where when he does earn his badge back, that he probably will have a little bit more leeway, and it and it also goes yeah, to the legend. It also goes to the legend of 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 Gordon because he's done things that no other cop has done before in in um, in Gotham. You know, the, the, right. every every other cop either would have been dead or working uh, doing security at a mall by now. Well, that plays into not... the the next scene with uh, him and Bullock. Where he, he tells Bullock, he leans into him after the press conference, he's like, I'm through being careful. And Bullock yeah. is like, you've been careful so far? You think you've been careful? <laughs> and he keeps repeating it. Yeah, he's like, no, I'm, I'm done being careful. He's like, that was careful? That was, you're being careful? And then it's done the That's other thing. Yeah, but it's done the other thing with him. Also, um, where it kind of it kind of showed the leadership skills of, of him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it just uh, was really. I thought it was great. By the way, my favorite incarnation or representation of Bullock in any of the Batman mythos. I think that this is my favorite. It's good Bullock. It's not. It's not animated Bullock. I was gonna say Batman yeah. animated series Bullock is like my my definitive Bullock, but yeah, but it's good Bullock. It builds on that. It, it, it builds on that. Cobblepot finally makes it to Falcone's house. He apologizes for being so late. Falcone tells him what's going on, and he says, "No, you don't understand." Liza's been a plant from the start. You know, she's been it's been a setup for the start and Falcone smacks him. Sure does. He, if I he mean. tells him that. Because he tells him, you know, that fish found a girl looked just like your mother and taught her how to act and he just loses it and, and smacks Cobblepot and he says, You're wrong and uh Cobblepot says, you know, when have I ever been wrong? Yeah. Which is and true. I mean everything he's yeah. told Falcone has been, you know, on the up and up yeah. so far. And that's when Mike uh what, that's when the Wahlbergs come in and they go, How do you say how do you mother for me? <laughs> and he walks away. Hey, say hi to your bat mother for me. Um, Fish fal- calls Falcone to meet. He arrives by himself. Fish wants him to sign papers relinquishing control. And uh, Falcone's response is, "Do you think being a don is about papers?" That's what. That was my response to that. Was since when does organized crime run like a corporation to where someone can just sign papers saying, "Okay, I'm no longer." the dawn i mean to me that was just ridiculous that she thought well, that papers would be 
how it would go. They would have to have shell corporations to run all that money through, and that's what I assumed that it was. Of course. And then you would need, have like, to have yeah. people that... Like, you know, I, like in Godfather, with the olive oil imports. Yeah. I would do olive oil have... imports with his, his father. Yeah, but you'd also have to have people that will follow you. And if they won't follow you, you're done. Right. She brings uh, Liza out, and uh, Falcone asks... Liza, how long she's known fish? And Liza says, no, I just met her. And Falcone's like, no, a little bird told me that fish and Liza have been friends for a long time. Fish knew that how, how much he loved his mother because right? he used to talk with Fish about his mother back in the old days, back in the day. Right. And at this point, uh, Zaz and his girls come in and flank uh, Butch and, and Fish from all points of the club. Uh, with Which a lot. is what I've been waiting for right. since day one. Uh, Falcone says, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that you got mixed up in everything. I'm sure somewhere down deep you're a sweet, honest girl. And then he chokes her to death with his bare hands right in front of Fish and everyone. But I'm Falcone, and you hit a weak spot, and I can't have that. Right. Great acting here on this part, too. You know, he orders Fish oh, yeah. kept alive for the moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's Above all, he's mad that he used uh, his mom's memory against her. You know? Uh-huh. And not only does she have to be punished, but I, I need to show all my lieutenants what happens. Right, exactly. And uh, he, he chokes her out himself. Yeah. And the best scene of this whole part, though, is like he's like, you can come out now. And Cobblepot waddles out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you have your moment. He said you earned it. He yeah. Pretty much that was his thing. Well, you earned it. I'm going to let you have your moment. You got this. That smile oh, on his face. Oh, such a great scene. Yeah. Hello, I bitch. want a still of that. I want a painting of that to frame. I mean, that was just so every, everything that you that the penguin represents and every emotion that he exudes through his craziness came out in that smile he had in that scene. It was just it was so perfect. The face oh, he yeah. made in that scene almost reminded me of Brian Boland's face of the Joker in the Killing Joke. Oh yeah, like the way the eyes are, like his eyes are all oh, red, yeah. electrocuted and stuff, and he's kind of got that sick smile on his face, like you're not sure if he's gonna break into laughter or throw up. It very much reminded me of that. Uh, I saw, I just thought it was a great, great scene. The same look Palpatine had when he told Luke that the Death Star would be quite operational when his friends arrive. Just that that creepy grin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a definite uh, it's a Godfather moment. You know what? You're dead. But I want you to see the face that put you there, right? You know that that type of thing. That, that's the stuff I eat up. Well, I've done it to you. I've I've got my vengeance on you. And he, all he had to do was just look at him and smile. And the uh, the final scene of the episode, uh, Doctor Tompkins goes to look for Jim Gordon in the men's locker room. You bet she does. Where he's kind of set up shop. He's got like a cot in there and stuff. She's kind of nervous and stuff, and they end up making out. And as they get happy and, and they'll probably be walking hand in hand, that's when Barbara's coming back. Oh, that's when the cop walks in and says there's been a shootout. <laughs> but great episode, man. A lot of things got paid off this time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of good characters. This show just gets better and better every week. I mean, it had a rocky start for me, but, you know, we stuck through it, and it's paying off in dividends. Even Jada Pinkett Smith's acting this episode was pretty good. I mean, I didn't dislike Mm -hmm. Fish. I I, I dislike the fact that she's still alive. I was hoping that this was it for her, but I think it's just setting up for more of torture of her character and i'm looking forward to that you know even on uh nothing's on uh with me and jim and donnie uh record that we have listeners who i was talking to one of our listeners about uh her acting 
and um, just how how she can overdo it. And she and there's an actress on um, uh, she used to be on Persons of Interest, and now she's on Empire called Taraji uh, P. Henson. Um, she's done a lot of movies and, and TV and stuff. And there's just a way that you could you could be a villain without overdoing it. Mm-hmm. And it's just I wish that she could just find that that line. I would have liked her more. I wanted to like Jada Pinkett in the show more than I did. But it's just I wish she had found that line where she can before you go overdo it, you pull back. Like because Penguin could have done that too. Like he could have he could have been an over the top you know, crazy character, but he pulls back just, you know, he, he never goes too far. He pulls back just enough that it's, you know, he's a good villain. He makes a good villain. And I, I, I wish that, uh, Mooney, you know, fish could be like more like that. Yeah. I just, I thought this was a great payoff to a lot of the stuff we've been building up to for a long time. Oh yeah. And, um, I don't know. It's a great episode. I thought one of the best, one right, of the best yet. All right, let's get the flash. Giggity, giggity. All right, Flash, Revenge of the Rogues. Oh, man, it's so good. Oh, oh yeah. Giggity, giggity. We start off with a really cool scene of Barry training with uh, Cisco and Caitlin and Dr. Wells with some drones. Uh-huh. Great scene. Um, the drones have guns. and uh, This was so awesome. Yeah. It was, so awesome. It was a great opening scene. and um, it, When Wells got up, almost. Almost. When he was getting ready to get up to run. And that makes me think, this. I guess he doesn't even need the suit. To, to be fast. Well, here's the thing. Every episode so far has started out, oh, my name is Barry Allen, and I'm the fastest man alive. But yeah, he goes, um, I'm Barry Allen, and I'm not the fastest man alive. And then he explains that that's why he's training, he's working with with um, the Star Labs crew to get faster, to get better, oh, yeah. to beat the man in the yellow suit. Who killed his mom? Uh, the training exercises are, are excellent. Uh, there are drones with guns, and then uh, lasers, and then uh, at some point, mm-hmm. Mr. W- or Dr. Well says, uh, you know, amp it up. And they shoot a missile at him. And there's this great scene of slow motion, the missile coming at him. Barry, like, s- stopping, turning the missile back at the drone and blowing it up. Just, like, something right out of, and, and, and you know, I mean this as a, as a compliment, not a detriment. Right out of a comic book. It's yeah. a great scene. And I like the strategy that he's now, doing, too, where he takes, the, he takes a little bit of the explosion with the first one, steals himself, and then he, you know, he, then he uses the momentum and take the missile to knock out the whole thing right what's really cool too is this is the first time in this show where they've used so much cgi in one scene usually it's been it's a little bit different type of effects and for television that was some amazing cgi i you know their effects department is just above and beyond anything I've seen on television. Mm-hmm. And I and I wonder, the hint, now that we know about Wells, the hints that we're getting now, because it looked like he was about to super speed over there if he didn't survive. You know, like if there was a chance he wasn't going to survive it, it looked like he was about to run real quick, save him, and then come back. Yeah. And it makes me think, okay, because we, we think it's the suit only that gives him the speed. Like, I thought that when he was putting the speed in the suit and in the at the end of the... Uh, the finale before. So I'm wondering that if that's that not was even amplifying his speed. I right. Don't think that's, that I, maybe that... I, but I guess I'm wrong. Like, I, I guess they're showing me that. No, maybe I'm totally wrong about that. That he, he just has the speed period and he, he can amplify it, but he already has the speed built in. Yeah. But there's a lot more to the story. 
gotta be. It's but, gotta be. I mean, just, but in little pieces, they're throwing us a little right. bit more pieces, like of just him putting his foot down to get ready to to save Barry. It's still about saving Barry. He doesn't want Barry dead. It's important that he live. Like they make sure, they remind us of that really quickly throughout the the series, and they made sure they reminded us in this in this show opening. He does not want Barry dead. Not yet. Well, on, future on, Barry. on top of it, right. That'd be interesting. But, you know, the other thing, too, that I noticed in this episode with Wells was in all the episodes leading up to this one, he's always been clean cut, science scientist looking and clean cut. And this episode, he seemed, you know, a little more casually dressed. His hair was disheveled and all that. I'm, I'm trying a to little figure sloppy. out what. Yeah, what what are the, what are they trying to telegraph to us with with that? Because I mean, it, it's it's kind of a jarring change in the way he looks. Well, you know what I think? I think that it's something that the more he sees a focused Barry, like Barry has never been this focused with being a with being the Flash. He's never been this like he is pushing himself further than he's ever done before. You know, like, I, and I th- maybe it might be that now that he has him on that on the road where he wants him, that he kind of it's getting to the point where he's getting so anxious to get him to the point that he needs him to be at. That now he's getting kind of slop- he's getting a little sloppy about it, and maybe it'll come out eventually. Maybe I I was kind of thinking that maybe his with what he's been doing with amping up the suit and amping up his speed and everything else and. Now that he's starting to come out more as the reverse flash, maybe his metabolism has overtaken to where his hair's growing faster and he just is wearing sloppy clothes. Or he just looks like crap because he's got that kicked out of him in the last episode, if you remember correctly. <laughs> well, oh, that's a, true, too. Well, yeah. there's that, you know, At super yeah, speed yeah. By, by the reverse flash, who is supposed to be him, but whatever. That's I don't know. It just it was very noticeable, the difference in his look this episode, and I was just trying to figure out if it means something or... Yeah, well, it does. He, he does look a little... Um, even when he was getting ready to run and do what he was getting ready to do, I'm like, I've never seen him show his hand so quickly, you know, like in, in public like that. Like, he could still... Even though he's fast like that he could still you know that could still blow his cover we see the return of leonard snart to central city with his new partner mick rory aka mm-hmm. heat wave cap old right captain cold with a freeze gun and mick rory heat wave with a heat gun and he does mick very well very uh, very john jeff johns in terms of being addicted to that fire yeah very much a pyromaniac very much yeah. in love with the fire and stuff yep. and the metaphor of fire um, mm-hmm. They break into a. We uh, we watch Snart and Rory break into a uh, an imported car uh, garage with a lot of uh, you know like Lamborghinis and very high end uh, imported cars in there. But they don't take anything. They hang out there for as long as they can for the alarm. You know until the silent alarm goes off and alerts the police, and then they get that and they get out of there. But they don't steal anything. We find out that they're trying to set a trap for the Flash because Snart thinks that if they get the Flash out of the way, then they can pretty much run the city. Right. He's got that. I love. I love it though. He's cold and calculated. Like it all fit. It all fits the Captain Cold persona. And when we find out that they're trying to um, set a trap for the Flash, uh, Barry talks to Doctor Wells. Doctor Wells reminds him that the last time he went up against Snart, he derailed a train, and it was only you know through sheer luck that no one was killed or whatever. Um, although you know some people did get hurt. And he talks Barry into um, just concentrating on training uh, to face him in the yellow suit rather than 
uh, helping out against uh, Leonard Snart and McRory. But what Wells doesn't understand is how awesome of a scene that gave us viewers of Barry dashing in and out of those train cars, saving people. That's true. So there was, you know, some plus to it. In uh, in efforts to keep Barry from engaging Snart and Rory, they come up. Cisco makes police shields, basically shield the police from the cold ray. And the next time Snart and Rory show up and um, attack a, a place where they steal a rich paint, a man's painting. By the way, Mr. Rathaway, anybody know the reference there? When they talk no. about the, Isn't that the don't... trickster's father? It is. Because they, they, oh. they have a scene where he's like, you know, but what about our son? And he goes... We don't have a son. That's a reference to the trickster. That's his name is Rathaway. I mentioned that in my review, which you can read over there on hhwlod.com. Right, and there's a link to it in the DCTV podcast Facebook group. I totally missed it. Totally missed it. But um, I did. I like Cisco's comedic moment too. They steal a twenty-five million dollar painting called Fire and Ice. How poetic! When they as they do, the police show up and they pull. You know, they pull out their Cisco created shields. that work great against Captain Cold's cold ray, but they weren't expecting McRory's heat wave ray. And some of the cops get burned. Some of them end up in the burn unit. Barry, of course, that doesn't sit right with him. He, he decides, you know, he's got to come out of this training and, and help them with uh, Snart and Rory. Uh, Cisco and Barry realize that if they get them to cross the streams of their respective weapons, that it will cancel out their effects. Very, And they even make the Ghostbusters reference in the show. Sure. <laughs> and uh, what is it Cisco says? Yep. Like that movie is uh, is surprisingly scientifically accurate. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. After they after Snart and Rory um, complete their mission, they realize mm-hmm. that, or, or with the, the painting, they realize the only way they're going to get the Flash to come out of hiding is to by kidnapping one of his support uh, team. Right, and Caitlin's been trying to find out about the Firestorm. Right, um, she meets Jason Rausch at um at the coffee at seemingly the only coffee shop in Central City, Iris Works, and Jason Rush tells her about the Firestorm a project, which was a way to transmute matter by putting, you know, taking apart atoms and putting them right. back together to create new elements. And that he and Dr. Stein, first time that name's been dropped in the show as well, uh, yeah. were, were working on the Firestorm project, uh, and Dr. Stein disappeared and hadn't been heard of from, from for months. The funding was taken away, and he has been on, on the run and, and paranoid ever since of you know the Firestorm project. As Caitlin gets this information... She's going back to her smart car, and Snart and Rory are waiting for her to kidnap her, take her as bait to bring in the Flash, who they you know they challenge to meet in the middle of the city. Just th- them, those two guys, and Barry for the city, pretty much it for for Caitlin's life. They meet in the city. There's a really cool fight. I really like the way they did this fight with the Flash, you know, yeah, running he, and trying to dodge the beams and all this. Yeah, he stuff. earned that. Yeah, yeah, it was really sweet. Good, good, good. That's a superhero fight. After a while, Barry realizes that um, you know, getting them across the streams is not as easy as it seems. <laughs> right. And with a little bit of help His from solutions, pretty good. Yeah, it is. What he comes up with. Well, with Eddie Thon's help, because at one point he's kind of knocked out, or not, not, I'm knocked out, but stunned. Well, he's and, hurt. Yeah. Right, and Thon jumps in with one of those shields that Cisco made. And now, I hate him, by the way, because he's getting in the way yeah. of Barry's love life. But I, you had like, damn it, he had to do that to make me, you know, right. Uh, he saves he saves Barry's bacon, and then ba- Barry realizes that maybe running fast isn't the uh, the way to solve this problem. Maybe slowing down a little bit would be. So he gets in between the two. First off, running at super speed, and then running at regular speed, and slowing down and, and taking the hit from both rays until they cross streams, and then blow it, blow uh, the other the two guys out of the water. 
Did you get that moment that that's probably how he's going to beat uh, Reverse Flash like, later on? Like, he's been so amped up to try to... Run faster to and faster run that, faster might, that faster. might not be what solves it. It might be an application of speed. Yeah, I kind yeah, of got that like idea, It's like he's telling him how to beat him. Like, he's trying to get him to the point where he's dropping. That's what makes it so weird and so good in a... I mean, weird in a good way with the show because I don't get the mystery yet i haven't figured it out like we don't know what the deal is yet with that but it just it, it like it's like he's been dropping clues all to the show of this is how you're gonna beat me like he doesn't even know he's the other guy when he's talking to him i think this will be the kind of thing later when we go back to watch it we'll be like oh look yeah why didn't we yeah. figure that out because you know he obviously did this and this and this you know yeah that be a good excuse to rewatch. To rewatch. Yeah, I got them all on my DVR. So yeah, it's it is same here. Snarton and um, Rory are taken into the applause of the the police. Uh, you know, in, into the police department. Their applause. The uh, they get taken away. We get a uh, kind of CW scene at the end with Barry and Iris, where Barry's saying, "You know, things are weird between us now, but we'll be. You know, we're gonna be best friends again. Everything will be cool." And then Barry ends up moving back in with Joe. I love that. Scene. That was a good scene. That was well acted too. I lo- I wish he was my dad. I would want to move. I would want to move into an apartment with with Joe if he was my dad. He's like the coolest dude. Of course, why not? And then the uh, the final scene of the episode, uh, we see Rory and Snart being taken away to Iron Heights in the back of a van. Rory's uh, going off on Snart. He's like, "Oh, oh you and your plan. You're playing. What about your plan now?" And then as soon as they say that, something blows up outside. The van stops. Uh, the door of the back of the van opens. We don't see who opens it, but we see Snart say. Here's part of the, here's the rest of the plan, and he looks. He goes, "Hi, sis." I really thought it was going to be the Suicide Squad. Hmm. I for I I don't oh, know the why one I, from Arrow. Yeah, I part of me thought, but then I then when I really thought about, it, I was like, I, mean, I guess it makes sense that it's not. But I really thought that it was like I really thought that uh, she had made a deal with him or something. Like we're going to pull hmm. you in for for Kate for something. We're going to pull you in. Nope. Instead, we're getting the Golden Glider. That's right. I am good with that. But I just thought the way they, they portrayed the rogues was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really, I really liked the episode all around. Just, I just thought, thought another great, strong episode from The Flash. Caitlin, man. I, I really love the Caitlin and, and Barry scenes. That was really cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, those are really good for him. To That is his new, fr- you know, like that's his good female friend that he can talk to about those type of things that sometimes us guys don't, you know, you know know how to deal with and it, it was really good that she uh was there for him yeah yeah that's true you know sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees and it's good to have another perspective mm-hmm. you know right but uh yeah great episode all around um i'm glad they're going a little further with the subplot with firestorm so we kind of get those clues filled in for us really really good we got some uh we got a couple of thoughts on the flash from uh from our listeners on the facebook group uh adam fatah who uh thanks for writing that on I enjoyed the return of the Flash. I give it four out of five stars. It was cool to see the Prison Break reunion. Uh, the episode also showed Cisco starting to develop a relationship with the Central City Police Department. Maybe in mm-hmm. future episodes, I can see Captain contacting Cisco for more equipment to help the police. Oh, you know it. Hmm. You know it. That'd be awesome. And then Sean Rogers, our friend from down south, just said two words: "Golden Glider!" Exclamation <laughs> points. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really love the way they portray Leonard Snart. I really, uh, I like, I like uh, Wentworth Miller as as Captain Cold. I think he's a good fit, uh, good casting for that character. 
I really like this episode quite a bit. We're setting up the rogues. I don't know. I just, it, I, I've yet to think of it. There hasn't really been a really bad episode of this show yet. That's what I was just thinking. I'm like, this is only the 10th episode, and they have done so much in these 10 hours, these these 10 episodes. Think about where we're going to be at the end of this season, and what are they going to do next season? I mean, it's just... They have packed so much awesomeness into ten shows. I, I'm and impressed. It, and the I'm chain, so like I, I'm ready. And then when we get to the point of, because the dynamics of the show is going to change. I mean, when when then Wells, whatever the deal is with Wells, gets revealed, and we know it's coming um, this season, it's gonna, you know, I mean, it it, it it's really going to change the dynamics of this show. I did like the fact that Captain yep. Cold called him the Scarlet Speedster. Um, they also had that little scene with Professor Wells and Cisco, where he's talking oh, about yeah. how the, the you know the next time the man in the yellow steel rooms around, and Cisco says, "I think you mean the Reverse Flash." <laughs> what he said it, not me, and he's right. Yellow suit, red lightning, and evil—the reverse of Barry. And Kaylee goes, "Meh." And Doctor Wells is like, "Actually, I kind of like it." Yeah, he said that. Like that—that that makes you go, "You, you." And then there's the, uh... the similar thing where he's like. You know, he increases, he explains how the heat gun works, like an extreme mm-hmm. heat wave, and Cisco says, heat wave, and Wells is like, stop doing that. But then he uses it, and he said, yes, I know, yep. I caught my th- yeah, yeah. as soon as it came out of my mouth. Right. Yes. Here's the thing I was just thinking about, though, Jim, you, you were t- and, and I've heard this elsewhere, too, this theory about him being Future Barry. There has to be a second reverse flash thing, because why would Future Barry go? go back and murder his mother it's not over we're gonna well we're gonna get an episode where they already said it where you're gonna see through the eyes of reverse flash well in flashpoint didn't he have to go back in time to make sure his mother got killed or else like it would have ruined yeah he had to stop himself from stop yeah he had to stop his other self his past self from yeah but he didn't kill his mother he 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 stopped him stopped from his mother from being killed flash, and right. and and then to to actually fix flashpoint he had to go back again and stop himself from stopping reverse flash it's right. still reverse flash that kills his mother yeah that was the one thing event that was supposed to happen and he and he um, had to make sure that it he didn't stop himself from, from letting that happen. If either of you watch Doctor Who, how the Doctor says, you know, there are just certain events in time that mm-hmm. cannot be altered or changed or right. or it will totally you know, tear fabric of time and space. They always use the easy ones like Hitler dying, you know, Hitler dying. He's supposed to right. die no matter what right. at, at that time. Right. And I mean, in this case... Barry's mother dying is is a big linchpin for the way the universe is held together. But I mean, I just I can't figure out why, if that's future Barry, why it, there would be any reason he would go and kill his mother. Yeah, I, I still don't think that's future Barry, but I was wrong about him not being Reverse Flash. So I don't know. I will I will enjoy the ride like I've been doing. All I know is that Grant Gustin, when he was interviewed this week by Entertainment Weekly, said there's a huge twist at the end of the season that no one is going to see coming. Yeah. I I would urge people. I have started doing Instagram, and I started following him on Instagram. I urge people to do that. Follow Grant Gustin on Instagram because he does a lot of stuff about the show. Mm -hmm. Like, he's really into the show. Like. The costumes and stuff, like uh, they, he, he, they even take pictures at. They even have Instagrams of the the readings. Now, was it his cool. picture that was the first look of Firestorm's uniform that we got? Yes, that's yeah, it was. 
Yeah, it, 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 you can't help but even if you, you never watch the show, looking at his Instagrams, you get excited for the show anyway. Anything else anybody want to say about The Flash before we move on to Arrow? Just to emphasize it yet again how awesome the show is. Um, if you haven't listened to our uh, uh, podcast, uh, Nothing's On, that Daryl and I do with Donnie Salvo uh, every week, uh, Flash was in our number one show with Donnie and, and myself on our lists. So. Yeah, we did all our lists without talking to each other first, and then we wanted to family. We had some overlap, but um, yeah. yeah, Flash was uh, was Flash on your list too, or is it? Um, did it make your top five? I don't remember. Yeah, it was. It was my top. It was in my top. Yeah, I know Donnie had it at number one. I had it at number one. Mm-hmm. Just, um, excellent. I just show. had it in the top, but it, yeah, it's a. It's, oh right, yours weren't in order, first, right? Right. Yeah, but it's the first show when I think about like. You know, it's something where when I when it's recorded, I watch it right away. It's one of the few shows I try to watch when it's actually being broadcast. It drives me nuts because I can't wait for commercials to end. Yeah, make want to kill the commercials. Okay, and now we move on to uh, the Felicity Show. I mean, Arrow. <laughs> Woo! You want your you want your Felicity moment before we uh, go on? Creepy Felicity. Every moment is up. a Felicity moment. <laughs> Should have creepy Felicity called. It was it was kind of distracting to see her in those dresses while she was being very dramatic and sad and stuff. I do, yeah. yeah, you do you do kind of want to. This episode, man, it, we we start out with uh, with uh, the return of the Brown Arrow. Mm-hmm. Diggle <laughs> in the yeah. Arrow suit. I love the where he has the scene where he's like. Uh, the suit is too tight, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it doesn't fit, or yeah, something like that. Really funny. And um, these two guys are getting away with a machine gun in the back of their van. Uh, between uh, uh, Diggle and Roy, they're able to stop one of them, but the other one gets away. Roy has stepped it up. Yeah, Roy, yeah Roy's kicking ass in this scene, big time. Yeah. On the other flip side of that, um, my seven-year-old nephew plays bows and arrows with his plastic set from Walmart better than Diggle <laughs> does in this scene. Yeah, yeah he's he's like, misses a few times. In fact, the guy in the van, the criminal, is like, I thought you said he was good. Because he misses yeah. the van like two or three times there. I'm with Diggle. I'm like, I shoot guns. I ain't got no time for this. Right. <laughs> you know. Give me my Glock. <laughs> exactly. Give me my Glock. We find out in the next scene that it's been three days since uh, anybody's heard from Oliver. Only three days, and this is how bad the city's Yeah, been. man. I'm telling you. No wonder. Thank Dang. God the arrow's there all the rest of the time. Well, look what happened. Sheesh. No doubt. They don't know whether he's still alive or not. Uh, Diggle and Roy are less optimistic than Felicity, but Felicity is uh, adamant that uh, Oliver's still alive. In fact, she says, you know, he died once. I thought he died once before. We then switch to a flashback scene, which I didn't think we were going to get since he's not in it to flashback. I didn't think so either. But uh, we do, at any rate. Well, and I was very dismissive of those scenes, but they pay off in the end of the episode. It sets up for what happens at the end. So... By the time I got through with the episode, I was glad we had the flashbacks. Yeah, I was figured they were important. I mean, they don't usually throw flashbacks just for nothing. They usually call it, they usually have a payoff eventually. Or some connection to what's going on. Uh, yeah. The one yeah. scene in the one the, that we'll get to later in the flashback that I thought was really cool because it was kind of funny. And it was right in the middle of the episode with all this heavy stuff about Oliver's death and stuff. But we'll get to that later. Um, they find out that they're... Um, the, the bioweapon that they're trying to find is actually in two pieces, and they're going to have to grab the, the one-piece Alpha, and without it, you know, China White's Omega Half is harmless. Mm-hmm. The Alpha's in the possession of the Hong Kong police, but they have to get it and destroy it. So they're going to have to break into the Hong Kong police station, pretty much, the Hong Kong military police, and break, and break into there and get this bioweapon and get out. Well, I'm waiting for this bioweapon to be at the end of the season. 
Hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's gonna have to pay off like that somehow because they keep talking about it. They keep mentioning it in the flashbacks. Yeah, that's um, probably gonna blow up the glades because one more thing, it ain't gonna be no glades. Uh, Macio's worried about his wife Tetsu, mm-hmm. and uh, Waller doesn't care. All Waller cares about is the mission and the bioweapon. But she says, right. you know, once they get the bioweapon, then she'll get, be able to get back Tetsu. He'll be able to get back Tetsu. We then cut back to Felicity um, helping out Ray Palmer. The chip from the Adam suit that seems to be malfunctioning. We see uh, Palmer about to try it out on some um, inflatable clowns. Ooh, Tony Starkey is not. No, not quite. It's not working out. So how cheesy did that stuff look? It, I don't like I said. It's still prototype, man. It, and it looked like a prototype. Yes. Like I, I guess we. I've been. You get spoiled when you see other, you know, armor and stuff like that. But this, it really made me think of woo CW budget for that. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, he tries it out, it's not working, and, and she um, kind of is, is dismissive of the Adam suit, you know, and, and thinking it's not not that good of an idea. She's my woman, woman? Is this, yeah, I think this is the scene where she, she says that it's not what Hannah would have wanted, and then he's right. like, you know, you don't get to say that, you didn't know her, and they have an emotional confrontation. Uh, we then see Laurel in the courtroom. <sighs> She's, I don't. I do not believe for a second that she is a lawyer in any way. You, she is mad, and she is a lawyer. You yeah, there's so many, so so little there. But anyway, <laughs> the guy that, that they brought in, that they, that uh, Roy and Diggle brought in, uh, was being uh, held there, and they, he almost gets released. But they were, they they produce the gun with his fingerprints all over. Um, the other, his name is Fisher. her scene in the hallway right after that, <laughs> where she's berating the guy. That would get a case thrown out right there. I mean, what you said about her not buying that she's a lawyer, she's terrible. And if, if this is the jo- well, it's a joke of a justice system they have in that city anyway. But I mean, oh, yeah. you know, her lawyer even, or his lawyer even saw her talking to him in the hallway. I mean, he, he should have immediately gone to the judge and been like, look. They're ta- she's tampering with the case. Yeah, this is stuff that she did in season two. And that you kind of think when she got over her drinking, that when she got a hold of her drinking problem, that you kind of get away from. Well, if you really want to get technical, they would probably just dis- just dis- or recuse her from the case because this guy shot at her dad last night. But yeah, that's true. They would have. Let alone her talking in the hallway with him or whatever. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah, you know, yeah, be a personal conflict. That, I mean, you know. Suspension of disbelief and all that. Speaking of which, we cut to the cliff where Rachel Ghoul supposedly killed Oliver Queen, and seems Oliver didn't fall all the way down the cliff. But he sure fell a hell of a lot. He <laughs> fell pretty far. We, see, we see someone in a hood and robe uh, in the snow come and collect his body and drag it off on a litter. We then uh, we then are introduced to Brick. Brick yeah. is not real happy with Anton, the other guy from the van, uh, the one that got away, because they were supposed to keep a low profile because Brick's got a lot of stuff going on. So he tells the, the guy, Anton, here, he hands him his gun and says, if you can take me out before I take you out, you get to live. And this is played by Vinnie Jones, by the way, from Lock, Stock, and Smoking Barrels. He's also He was also the juggernaut in the third X-Men movie. You never forget him when you see him. No, he is a tough MFR. Every time I see him, though, I think of Eurotrip and him opening beer bottles with his eyes. Hey, are, have you been watching, it's only two episodes in, but that musical, goofy renaissance thing called gallivant on sundays i watched uh, two minutes of it and i turned it off i do i wasn't going to be into that when i saw the commercial yeah well 
I don't know. It's silly, and it's something that I think me and my friends would have made. But um, anyway, he plays uh, the King's Muscle in that. Oh, well. I didn't know he was in that. Oh. We we then get the scene with Thea and asking if Malcolm will look into what happened to her brother. What I call the I the ultimate irony moment. Sure um, is. Then we uh, we find out uh, Felicity's able to find the warehouse, uh, track down uh, Anton's phone there. Uh, it's the warehouse where Brick, you know, pretty much beamed to death or whatever. But they find like scraps of paper and uh, take it back to the HQ. And then uh, Malcolm uh, Merlin is showing, shows up at, at Arrow HQ. Diggle pulls a gun on him. He says something like, you know, a bullet would only annoy me. So he pulls two guns on him. Do they not have a motion sensor something that says, hey, somebody's coming down the stairs? I mean, it, it seems a little ridiculous how he just walks in and yeah. out of there. I'm tired of him coming in, coming into the headquarters every five minutes. I mean, I'm like fine with it, but there though. needs there needs to be the you know, hey, somebody's coming. You know, I mean, I don't know. It just seems odd. We um, you know, he asked her how long it's been since she heard from Oliver, and then he was like, you know, Ration never takes prisoners, but uh, Laurel shows up later, and Felicity tells her that you know she's confident the Queen will be back. Uh, we get to the Hong Kong flashback, and I really like the scene here where they uh, they are playing the zip line through the window, while Maceo uh, is supposed to shoot it out with the sniper rifle. <laughs> yes. So here's here's Oliver, you know, hanging on a zip line, you know, above, you know, what fifty stories up in Hong Kong. And, oh yeah. Uh, he, he he slides down the zip line toward the window, and the window has a tiny bullet hole, and it. it does not shatter at all. <laughs> and this ain't Oliver. This ain't trained Oliver, where he's all cool and confident. Like, I, like they don't. They let you. It's something how he can uh, portray himself as not being trained. You know, like he gets scared of heights and the whole thing. But then, you know, but then when they show him in the present time, he's all confident and, you know, right and ready. It was to kind go. of funny though. You know, it was like one humorous scene in a very yeah. serious episode. I thought that was cool that they did that. Yeah. Um, you know, after the flashback is over, we we come back and uh, we find that um, the the numbers that they found in the warehouse are um, are, are case file numbers of guys that they put away and put in jail over the past eight months, and uh, all of them are like muscle enforcer types who are awaiting trial. Um, yeah. They also find schematics for the building housing the evidence on those trials. Um. At this point, Merlin comes back. They show him visiting the, the battleground where Raish, you know, killed Oliver. Then he comes back with the bloodied sword. He says, you know, he, usually Raish leaves this as a testament, you know, to the you know, true safe travel of the person he has killed to the other side. You know, he's, he's like, I'm going to leave this here because I know you're going to test that blood and you're going to, you know, think it's some sort of trick or whatever, but it's not. Oliver Queen is dead. Um... Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, I, when he came, I swear I wanted somebody to say, God, dog it all, when he came in again with the sword. Yeah. Somebody changed. Like, did, you, did you forget to lock the door? God. <laughs> what about you? Dang it. <laughs> Just stop doing that. I know. Already. Lock the door. Jeez. It's not that hard. <laughs> Damn. Um, Felicity confirms it's Oliver's blood on the sword, and she's miserable. Um, she confronts Palmer and tells her, you know, tells him that what he's doing. Uh, won't bring back his fiance, and then uh, it won't, you know, won't bring, it won't, you know, what he's doing will just get him killed, and you know that he can't, she can't stop him from doing it, but she's not going to help him, kill himself, pretty much. 
we then see Brick and his men break into the police evidence building. Diggle and Roy arrive and they they fight big a pretty big battle. They're doing pretty I, like you said. Roy kicks a lot of butt in this man. He really uh, he really seems does. Foc- more focused than like they've other fights they've choreographed. He he gets hit like they make sure that he gets that they that we know that he's not as trained as as uh, Oliver is as Ollie is. So he gets hit a couple times and right. get knocked down. He'll you know little things like that will happen. He gets but trapped, it seems like he gets trapped in that tunnel with that ricochet. And he runs through it and comes out of it like, you know, he's focused. Like, he, he really seems, even when they show his face, he really seems really focused more. So he'll be tighter. When Oliver comes back, he'll be, I think he'll be much more tighter. Right. I agree. Yeah. It was it was a good fight or whatever. Yeah. Then we then get uh, uh, Diggle and Brick uh, together. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. Uh, Diggle goes for the headshot. Mm-hmm. Which I don't understand. Here's what I don't understand: Is his head supposed to be like metal or something? Because I thought he shot him right in the head. I, I didn't surprise. Yeah, well, Brick. Here's here's the thing: Brick in the comics has impenetrable skin. Right now, they don't mention human. that in the episode. They don't say anything about that. But I I was wondering: Is that what this whole "Here's a gun"? I don't. Ha- I'm unarmed. Yeah, bit be. is about. It gotta be. That gotta be the secret of why he. That's his bit. Is that of course. I'm going to give you the gun because uh, my skin is... He's like a Luke Cage. His skin is... For some reason, I wasn't that familiar with the character uh, in the comic. Yeah, that was during the... Uh, I think that was the Judd... The Judd... Uh... It was Judd Winnick. I didn't read it. Judd Winnick. Uh, yeah, that was a Judd Winnick run. I had read that back then. Um, Roy, Roy saves Dig, uh, Diggle from Brick the last minute, but Brick still gets away with a truck full of evidence. Um, when they get back to HQ, it turns out Felicity admits that she let Brick escape. So, you know, Diggle and Roy, you know, make it out alive. She's gun-shy about losing anyone else, and she shuts off the lights and leaves and says, it's over, she's out of it. Well, I did like the, he did, Diggle had that Expendables 1 moment where they were, when um, Sylvester Stallone gets beat up at the end, and he's like, what, you know, and they get to him and they ask him what's, what are you doing? And he was like, I'm getting my ass. That's basically what Diggle was doing. He was just getting his ass kicked with that fight. So yeah. he needed to get paid. I know he was mad about it, but, um, you, you know, when you, I know when you finished yelling and you went and he went in another room, he was like, thank God. Damn. Okay, Laurel, right. Laurel comes back. Diggle tells her that most of the guys that she put away in jail have been let out for lack of evidence, which really seemed yeah. kind of weird to me. It's like, they're going to let him out immediately because the evidence is gone, like within five yeah, minutes and that's or whatever. Yeah, that's your only thing. Yeah, yeah. that's your only thing is just the, just the evidence and the um, then we see There's Laurel no look. way that a judge is going to go through and dismiss 80 cases in the span of a few hours. Even if it's the right thing to do, that's not going to happen. Well, I know you they want to do me this. A- this. This is the one thing about this arrow where I, I really, um, I think is their weak side. Their really weak side is the way that they portray the, the justice system. Like, it's just... Somebody read a book or go go look it up. Take a really class happened. somewhere, you know. <laughs> Something because it's just too far fetched. Some of the stuff that they they're doing. Hire a legal consultant. 
it does stretch the incredulity of the show. I mean, it's a cool show, and it doesn't bother me because I just it kind is. of, it is. kind of, you know, I shake it off or whatever, and I don't really think about it. But I mean, you're right. I mean, obviously, if you wanted it to make sense, it would have to. I ignore it for the most part, but I still, it just makes me roll my eyes for a second. And takes I couldn't me help out of the enjoyment of the episode. I couldn't help this part if they had said this was months later. Like if they had did a thing where they jump. You know, you jump to down six months down the line or something like that. I, that could be one thing, but just for or there's a timetable and Oliver has to come back before that timetable is up and get that stuff back. But just to have it that they're out and I know what they want to do. I mean, they obviously they want to have uh, Brick have a whole big army ready, and when Oliver comes back, they have to fight. You know, they they have to fight all these guys. They can find a better way to get that. You know, to, to to create this thing. Yeah, I agree. We um we get a scene now with Laurel looking at Sarah's uh, black canary gear. I'm mad. Uh, we then get a cutaway to Malcolm telling Thea that uh she didn't you couldn't find anything out about Oliver, but they need to get the hell out of town right now. Right, and that's it. Uh, then we get Brick uh, giving uh, um an inspirational speech. To all the guys who got, got released, he says, you know, you, you owe me for getting you out of jail. Um, together, we're going to take over the Glades. Right. And as this, We're going to be rich. Right. And as this inspirational speech is breaking up, two of the guys are walking out to their car, and they get hit. And one of them gets knocked out, and the other one uh, from behind with a big stick. We turn around, and it's Laurel. Well, with the Sonic... Oh, yeah, the sonic bomb goes off first, and all the glass shatters, and they're grabbing their ears and everything. And then we get hit in the face with this big stick, and it's Laurel, dressed as Black Canary. And then we get the best Laurel scene we've had in the entire series of her in those black leather pants. That's all I'm going to say. How did I know that that's what you were going to say? I knew he was going there, too. How did you? I knew he was going there. Do it. I think it's kind of cool. They've kind of taken the character of the the, the Kate Spencer Manhunter, uh-huh. you know, the lawyer with the you know, that, that get up everything, kind of mishmashed it with Black Canary. They did though. They really did. And that's that. kind of cool because I always liked that character. But I love the on Kate the other Spencer. side. It's Laurel. Yeah. So there's that. Well, Kate. Sp- it's funny you say that because Kate Spencer was unlikable in her civilian life. That's true. She's abrasive, a heavy drinker. Mm-hmm. A bad parent, yep. like she's, she didn't even have custody of her daughter. Like that's how terrible she was, as a DA. Like she, like yeah, you you say that now, and I'm like, yeah. I guess if they didn't have to pay, probably they would have to pay, um, Andrico because he created that character, even though he was working with DC, working for DC at the time. But I think instead of making her Black Canary, I think that would have been a better move. Make her Manhunter. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, I guess they could, but I mean, no one else is using the Black Canary now. Sarah's down, so. Well, they shouldn't, I don't even, I really still to this day don't think they should have ever killed Sarah. I think yeah. they could have kept her on, or even if they had to find another actress, if she couldn't do the show anymore, which I doubt, um, they could have found some other way to do it. But they could have kept Canary, have her go off somewhere if they wanted to. And they'd have, and they'd have uh, Manhunter on the show, too. Yeah. I don't know though. It's kind of cool the way they've kind of uh, taken like and done a mashup of those two characters. So I mean, it's cool, but it's I, it's I, I can live with it. I know it is Laurel. You got me there. But I'm gonna I can't work defend with that. 
<laughs> I'm going to work it. with it. Okay, so, me too. Uh, I'll roll with it too, man. I'm, I'm still here. Um, then we get our final installment of the flashback. Uh, Waller congratulates Queen and, and Maceo for coming back on the mission. Uh, one of the triad guys, uh, Oliver, left alive. Um, and, you know, Maceo was, was confused as to why, but it turns out that Oliver put a tracker on him and they're going to go find Tatsu. And Maceo says, you know, if, if we can do this, I'll be forever in your debt. We cut immediately to Queen waking up in the care of Maceo and Tatsu. You know, Maceo is loved up to his word. And that was the person who was in the hood dragging him back to the, the house or whatever. So Oliver's already alive again after one episode. You know, I thought that was kind of quick. You know, I thought he was now. I have to say that it's quick, but at the same time, you know, I'm kind of glad because that doesn't mean he's immediately going to return to Starling. So there could still be some more episodes of the gang having to survive on their own for a little bit. You know, because he still has to recover. My only disappointment, and I got over it really quick, was I was really hoping for a Lazarus pit, but. It would have been cool. I, it's like why I put it there. Why why use Ra's al Ghul if you're not going to do it? That, that's, that's well, true. I mean, they still haven't that's explained true. how they brought it back to life. Because he did you know, say like, bring him. He did say you know, Who knows? Back, you know. So, yeah. yes. He said that she brought brought him back to life. That was the episode Left Behind on Arrow. Um, I, don't, I really liked it. I, you know, the, the, the crap's really hitting the fans. Yeah, I'm, so I'm ready. City, big time. I really I I want to see, I wanna mind, see the Adam suit, though. I cannot see the Adam being on this show. Like, not with this budget. I just can't see it. Like, it's. Well, I was reading something earlier this week that's saying that um, when we finally see him as the Atom, it's going to be in an uh, Arrow Flash crossover. I read that as well. So, with the budget of the two shows, they probably can get away with it. Yeah, they do a lot of that's stunts. That's true. A lot of good stunts. They, they do, do a lot of stunts, though. Special effects. That Flash right out the gate has been special effects. So I mean, I expect it. But, with the flash not to say they can't do it it's just it's mm. just that they're so far away from doing it like they're he can't even get the gauntlet to work yet so they're so far away from getting a suit together mm. that, uh, right they're trying to, well they're yeah. trying to set a tone too i mean arrow is supposed to be a little more grounded like, i mean we keep saying nolan ask right. or whatever and right. the flash is where we see like most of the superhero stuff and the metahumans or whatever so mm-hmm. and i think it's important to keep the tones of the show separate well, that they do that, so I mean that might be where right. some of the Adam stuff is coming from, or why it might cross over into the Flash. Well, he did say that after the second half of the season is when he kind of realized that he shouldn't hold, you know, shouldn't restrict himself of what what they could do with the show. So I mean, they got Brick on in the show. Right. He's a metahuman, so I mean that's true. I mean, he's not like you know Superman or something, but yeah, great episode. I'm going to bust it. out some news really quick, and then uh, we'll said take, take off. off. Yes, we take got off. some big news this week. Yeah, CBS. Oh, yeah, I said mm-hmm. take off. Uh, they found Supergirl. Everybody, I didn't, you know, they've been looking. They were looking to cast Supergirl for their CBS show that they are producing, and they have now. Uh, Melissa Benoist uh, from Glee. I guess I don't know her from anything else. Uh, do you? I, I wasn't. I didn't really. She's done much. Law and Order. She's done um, Homeland Whiplash. or something like that. From Whiplash and Whiplash, and she was very likable in that. So I, I, I'm very glad they did not go with somebody that looked like a porn star for Super. I really didn't want to see that. Like I, I really think that yeah, would not too. have been a good thing to do to go that route. 
One, uh, mm-hmm. one, the one woman they talked to, Gemma Atkinson, I think, was her name. Yes, yes. She exactly looked more like yeah, Power man. Girl, if you know what I mean. And if that's what you want, <laughs> you, you need to just watch the porn parodies. I don't think Supergirl needs to be like that on TV. Not Supergirl. Not Supergirl. No, I, I think it, I think she'll right. be more approachable if she's it's not a teen as we're bombastic about. or whatever. Yeah, yeah I'm definitely. Cool. It's, it's interesting though that they're saying that um, they've already designed the costume and they, they quote on that is awesome unquote. Um, that they're looking at it being this is uh, what what um, uh, let's see I'm trying to find the first name uh, um, Nina Tassler from CBS described this as quote a very strong uh, independent young woman she's coming into her own she's dealing with family issues. Does that mean big? You know, big. Her cousin's going to be by. Uh, she's dealing with work issues. It's a female empowerment story. If you look at the strong female characters we have on the air, it's really resonant of that. We're big feminists. It's her intellect, her skill, it's her smarts, all those elements. It's and not just I, strength, you know, like she does t- I know some some people wanted it to be like a really hot hot girl to be Supergirl, but I I think with DC, you you gotta you want to get more women involved in watching the show you want to attract more females to to dc properties so i think well mm-hmm. look at cbs too they have like uh right. big hits with the good wife madam secretary yeah I mean, these are all female-led shows you know what i mean they all have female leads i mean it would make sense for them to to play to their strength there and 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 go for that niche well not to just to get the fanboys us fanboys to watch it but to get a broader audience because this is CBS. They not they don't want numbers. They want bigger numbers than than the CW show because they have more people to answer to. Like they're it's right. a bigger thing. So I I like the choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean I I um I remember watching her in Whiplash and she was only in it. I would say she was only in it fifteen minutes tops in <laughs> the entire movie. But you like her right away. Like she does a conver- she has a conversation with the with the uh, character. It's funny because he's going to be the playing the. I think he plays the Reed Richards for the. And they're talking, just getting to know each other on their mm. first date. Um, and she just has a. Uh, she's like. My, I'm sorry, Miles Teller. Yes, I think that's yeah. And they're talking, and it's funny because she like Grant Gustin is also from Glee. And he has that same quality of being very likable on screen right away. Yeah, that charisma. I mean, it, it says it, it does a lot for that show. Um, great Gustin has on the Flash, and she could have that same kind of appeal. And I think she does. She doesn't have the Laurel appeal. Like there, there's a, there's a. I don't mean I don't want to jump on the actors, but there's a certain Laurel has pushed. You know, like she people react to Laurel in a way, to the character of Laurel in a way. Um, that's not always positive, right? Right away, and that you don't get that reaction, um, Grant, from like Grant Gustin character. Like you, as soon as you see him, you kind of like him. And I think the same thing with um, the same thing with her. I think she she on screen she has that same type of likability, where she doesn't come off as abrasive or um, or standoffish. She comes off as very right. personable and and. Uh, you know, and it's not about just her being sexy, like trying to be overly sexy or or anything like that. She comes off as just being a, uh, intelligent, just round the, just a, just a cool, you know, just a cool person. 
you know, she's attractive. I think she's attractive enough to be Supergirl, but I don't want to have it that you, that's what you look at as soon as I see her because she's playing a teen, a young teen character. That's not the first thing you want to see if they're coming out in a bathing suit type of thing, you know. I I, I would think you want more like a Veronica Mars character. Yes. Exactly. You hit it on the smart, approachable, yeah. funny. Right. Just like you can know, be snarky yeah. when she needs to be. Right. And I, yeah, I think it works that way. I think it's a lot better that way. We had a lot of uh, we had a lot of casting news on Suicide Squad this yes. week. Okay. First of all, Tom Hardy, who was originally going to play Rick Flag, is out. Mm-hmm. Then they were looking at Jake Gyllenhaal for that role, and I guess he has also declined. But the latest rumor is that Gary Sinise is in talks to play General Eiling, General Wade Eiling, who was in charge of Cadmus in the cartoon version and who ended up becoming the Shaggy Man. Who ended up becoming the Shaggy Man, I think it was the Morrison run of JLA. Yeah, I'm not yeah he did. Uh, and that carried over into the uh, into the cartoon as well. So, I mean, Jennifer, General Eiling has already been on uh, uh, The Flash uh, too, played by Clancy Brown. Yes, he did. He's such an asshole. That uh-huh. character's always like that—that's a constant, right? I think J.K. Simmons played him in the cartoon. If I'm not I think mistaken. so, yeah. Yeah, Gary Sinise might be playing him in Suicide Squad. I think that's awesome. Um, if you guys have not seen um, Stephen Amell uh, on uh, when he was on Jimmy Kimmel no, this week, it's on YouTube, and I definitely should suggest you check that out because it was a really good interview. Okay. Evidently, his first uh, acting job he got while he was in the audience of Jimmy Kimmel. Like on his phone. Oh, oh, cool. He got a message on his phone, which led to his first acting job, which ended up leading to Arrow. Wow. Um, but he was—he's just like really psyched to be on a talk show. It was, just, it was interesting, and he was talking about you know he lived like uh, two blocks from where they filmed it, and uh, it was—it was—it was, uh, was a cool interview. He seems like a good guy. Danny DeVito uh, came out last week to praise uh, Robin Lord Taylor's portrayal of the Penguin. Um, I thought that was cool, considering, you know, I mean, Michael Keaton's been a little lucky about it by saying that he was Batman and stuff, you know what I mean? But, uh, I think, I think, I thought it was cool that he came out to, to support him, because I think it's a really, I mean, that that's one of my favorite performances in that show, is, is him as the Penguin. Yeah, he is, I, you know, Danny DeVito, yeah. uh, that, that, I don't even know what that was, I don't know. A penguin. Well, yeah, he was more like a real he was penguin. A mutant penguin. <laughs> I don't know what to deal with that. That wasn't on Devito. That was on Burton. But uh... I, I like the... that version oh, of Penguin. I mean, it's not my favorite version, but I don't know. I a lot of people poo pooed on uh, Batman Returns. I really, I really liked the movie. I'm not a Burton it's fan. A cool Tim, thought... It's a cool Tim Burton movie. Uh, I didn't know if it was a cool Batman movie. That's my problem with was, Burton, the whole thing. It was a cool, cool bit Tim Burton it's movie. It's fine though. movies, but they're not Batman movies to me. Batman just hangs and, out, but he's not in it. And in the last week, I know we were crying about Constantine kind of dipping in the ratings, but in the past week, both Gotham and The Flash were both renewed for second season. Yeah, yo. And The Arrow for a new season as well. Better. All this week, so we got renewals on all the other shows. So, hopefully, we'll be doing this DC TV podcast with these fine gentlemen for some time to come. Yes, yay! <laughs> so, I guess that's about all we've got. Mm-hmm. If uh, you like to talk about TV, if you like to listen to podcasts about television, I imagine you would, because we're at the end of this one. 
we have a whole bunch more at hhwlod.com. We have blog posts there. We have news entries. We have uh, podcasts for the uh, the Walking Dead TV podcast um, for the Walking Dead show. We have it's all connected for the Marvel Studios. Uh, not only the TV shows like Agent Carter and Agents of Shield, but also the movies and how they are all connected. Hence the name. Uh, we have the Sleepy Hollow, the Ichabod Crane cast covering Sleepy Hollow show. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, all kinds of great stuff over there, um, hhwld.com. And if you'd like to hear more of the dulcet tones of Mr. Daryl Taylor and his associates, uh, especially if you want to hear him and I and our friend Donnie Salvo talk more to even more TV than this, I know, hard to believe, isn't it? Uh, then check out Nothing's On on the Taylor Network of Podcasts. Um, we and there's a whole plethora of great geeky podcasts over there. You got No Apologies, you got the, uh, the Comic Rack Snark Cast. Uh, arts and crap uh, covering all of your scone movies um all kinds of great things check it out uh t- the taylor network of podcasts yeah, we actually covered uh whiplash recently the episode just came out on arts and sweet crap, and i know uh a couple days on nothing's on i am going to be talking about the venture brothers yes a special that was just on and um an amazon pilot that's based on one of my favorite books of all time so we're wait which one is I'm, this? I'm interested to talk about that. Uh, the Man in the High Castle by Philip K. Dick. Oh. Uh, Frank Spotsnitz from uh, The X-Files. He was one of the producers oh, and writers right, of The right, X-Files. Right. Glad you said that. Uh, produced this. It's based on a Philip K. Dick book. I uh, so. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was really interesting. So we've got a lot of good things to talk about there and nothing's on as well. So check all that on the Taylor Network of podcasts. Uh, please join our Facebook group. Please. We only got a couple of new members this week. And please leave us reviews on iTunes. The stars that you leave us on iTunes feed us in the dark, dark night of the soul. Yes. So until next week, <laughs> we have even more DC TV to talk about. And also keeping your eye out for our fifth DC TV show, iZombie. When are we going to have time to watch all these shows, guys? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. We're going to have to buy a TARDIS or something. Um, but I'm on board. Join us. <laughs> okay. I'll start. You. I'll look on Amazon. I'm sure there's one there. <laughs> uh, until next week, we are ghosts. Thanks, guys. Love is a burning thing, and it makes a fiery ring. Bound by wild desire, I fell into a ring of fire. I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, down, down And the flames went higher And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire The ring of fire Fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, down, down And the flames went higher And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire The ring of fire The taste of love is sweet When hearts like ours meet I fell for you like a child 
but the fire went wild. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. And it burns, burns, burns the ring of fire, the ring of fire. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. And it burns, burns, burns the ring of fire, the ring of fire. And it burns, burns, burns the ring of fire, the ring of fire. <laughs> 